Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Time to play the game! <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. It's all about control, and if you can take it, it's all about your debt. And if you can pay it, it's all about pain. And who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch from a smoking gun I am the game, and I may do So move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, circle, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play Welcome back into another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Steele. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyRath13. Joined, as always, with his glorious mane that hasn't been cut, the quarantine cut, Cody Kutzer. You can find him on Twitter at CKutzerFF. And we are joined tonight by a very special guest. Took some time to get him on, but he's a busy man, and we really appreciate having him. Uh, It's Ray Garvin. You can find him on Twitter at RayGQ. You can also... Catch his work over at Destination Devi, where he, got, he puts out a lot of good stuff on YouTube. Love that channel. And as well, you can find him over at DLF. How's it going tonight, Ray? Oh, man, I am uh, I'm hanging in there. I was telling these guys before the show, you know, six-month-old and a three-year-old at home, it's pure chaos. But hanging in there and, and really, really excited that we're going to get some football here in the next couple of days. Oh, I hear that. I hear that. It's much needed, much needed something to get our minds off of everything that's going on. So um, we're really looking forward to that. You know, the draft is, what, a week from Thursday? So we'll actually get something new to talk about because we've pretty much been talking about these these dudes for a couple of months now. We had a little bit with free agency, but other than that, it's been pretty much this. So at least we'll actually have landing spots to put these guys in. Yeah, we uh, we we need the draft. The draft is coming here to rescue us. C- could you imagine what we would be doing right now if we didn't have this draft coming up? Like, Man, this is you, you want to talk about blessings, man. It's <laughs> the the NFL draft is is coming to rescue us and just excited that that's like that's a that's only a week away. Like that seems it seems like everything has gone so slow, but how quickly everything has come up upon us. So just excited, man. I'm we we have a uh a Denzel Mims, a Brian Edwards, and a and a Cam Akers enthusiast with us. So we are we are in we're in good company. Feeling warm. I'm safe. I'm cozy. Even though uh, this look, I might after this, I might uh, might record a hostage video or uh, maybe do something with the grandma perm. I don't know. <laughs> the, the possibilities are endless with this look, man. Yeah, I think you know what's really interesting about this time, this draft is we were we've been so excited for this 2020 class for you know i don't i don't know how long we've been talking about these prospects so then the year that they finally you know declare and come out and there's all this stuff that's supposed to be happening it's going to be the first ever virtual draft teams are worried that they're going to screw stuff up it just it's so poetic that this class that we've built up all of this is happening right now it's just it's that's another interesting layer to this entire process yeah, we were, we were talking about it before how it's just going to be so different that we're not going to, we don't have all the pro day rumors and who likes who and who's coming out and, you know, what team has been going over this guy and that guy and everything else. So I think we're, we're set for a, for a wild ride. And it's, it's uh, you know, first ever virtual draft, like Ray said, and it's going to be the first draft that we have such little information on. So I think we're, we're in for a bunch of surprises and that's, that's always going to be fun. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. So why don't we just jump right into it? Uh, you know, we got a lot of guys to talk about. Like this, the, we're, tonight we're going to be talking about the, the top wide receivers in this class. Basically what we did was, Ray, we took your top 12 wide receivers, um, uh, your top 12 rankings over on DLF. Figure we'll talk about those guys, and then we'll dig a little bit deeper on some of these other guys. The one thing that stands out to me with, the, with this position is just how deep it is. With the running backs, it's very top-heavy. There's and same with quarterback, I guess, and same with really, I mean, tight end, just a dumpster fire. But um, as far as the wide receiver group, like you could get down to 11 or 12 and still be really excited about that guy, and you don't feel like you're just kind of like wasting your time talking about him because maybe they'll never be anything in the NFL. You can even go maybe a little bit further than that. And I feel like if you look at a lot of people's rankings, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are kind of jumbled around where some people may have somebody at nine, but for other people, they have them at 15, um, you know, and everything else. So I think that's the most interesting thing about this class. And do you think that this might be the best rookie class we've ever seen? That's that's tough. That's a tough one because I was super high on this class and I was one of the people, you know, going into the 2019 season that thought that thought this class could be amongst the best ever. I don't know if we're, I don't, I don't know if it's that. I, I, I really don't. I think it's a very, very, very good class. And I think it's very diverse too. If you want the big bodied wide receivers, you have them in the draft. If you want the, the, the slot wide receiver, you have that. If you want the speedster that can stretch the field, every category of wide receivers in this class but I don't know if it's going to be, I don't even know if it's going to be 2014, if I'm being honest. I I hope it is. I hope it is. And I know we'll dive into some players that definitely have the talent to be that. But I mean, that's a high, that's a high threshold and a high bar to even get to to ever. They got to beat 2014, you know, this year. Right. I mean, that that class had what, Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson was in that. Mike Evans. Evans. I mean, yeah. You're right. I mean, that that class was was super deep. With this class, I feel like maybe it may be missing that true like alpha like we're, no question, no question about it like beast. But I think that overall, like there, there's there's certainly a elite level talent here. And like we said, like I think it's just so deep. And I think what there's conversations of six, seven wide receivers going yeah. in the first round. I mean, that is pretty crazy in itself because typically that's much higher than you normally see. As of things stand, it looks like we're probably not going to see any running backs go in the first round, which maybe NFL teams are finally getting smart there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, six, seven deep, it's it's that's a potential. That's a potential reality. Um and it is, it is deep. I think the class is very deep. So, you know, teams want to score points. Everybody wants that Kansas City Chiefs model where you've got those, those speedsters out there. You've got, you know, three, four wide receiver sets. The Rams did it a lot. So teams are looking for that. So the days of just having two are out of the window. You want three legitimate wide receivers and potentially a, a legitimate fourth as well. So, I think you can definitely see it. You got to score points in today's NFL. No, I 100% agree. And I, th- there's just a lot of different skill sets in this draft as well, where you have some big body guys, you have some guys that are much more in the NFL frame that we're seeing now. But um, I guess to start out the conversation versus uh, here, is there any landing spots that you're just like super hyped about that you think that can make an, if the right player goes there, can make an immediate impact day one in, in terms of fantasy? Yeah, absolutely. And in this first team, it, I know it sounds gross. I know it's going to sound gross, but the New York Jets, uh, I think you give Sam Darnold, whether it's CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, I think that wide receiver steps in from day one and is potentially trying to be at alpha. Who's he got to beat out? Crowder, Perryman. I would bet on the talent of a Lamb, of a Judy, of a Rager to to win that in a training camp. So I think the New York Jets would be just a home run spot. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, the Eagles need a wide receiver. I don't think any Eagles fan wants to go into twenty the twenty twenty season with Jeffrey Ortega Whiteside and Greg Ward. I'm pretty sure that's not the wide receiver core they want to roll out. So you get them, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, another threat down the field when you've already got Ertz and Goddard commanding that the middle of the field. I think you know that that's a prime spot for a wide receiver. And then you've got a bunch of other. We could talk about the Broncos. My Las Vegas Raiders. They definitely need an alpha. So those would be. I'd say the Jets the Raiders and uh, whatever the other team that I was talking about, that'd be, that'd be kind of my three ideal landing spots. You know, I, I did not know our PR department did not tell us that we had a Raiders fan on the podcast. <laughs> I was not aware of that. <laughs> listen, listen, I just, 
it's not a lifelong thing. I grew up in Las Vegas. We never thought we'd have a pro team ever. Growing up in high school, it just was not a thought. So when the Raiders transferred or transitioned to Vegas, I said, I don't care what team I'm rooting for. I've got to, I've got to add them to the, to the lineup. So I am now a recent uh, Las Vegas Raiders fan. Hey, you know, hey, well, it's, it's a shame <laughs> that you picked, uh, picked a team that has old uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes in the division, but hey, it's, all, yeah. it's, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I get it. I get it. Are you still in Las Vegas now? No, I'm actually in, I'm actually in Dallas, Texas. I've been, uh, I'm, I've been here for 16 years now, so I'm native Texan, but grew up in Vegas. And don't you worry, we're going to get our Patrick Mahomes. We're going to get our quarterback this draft. Don't worry. You think, you think they do with this draft? Probably not. Realistically, Mariota is the second highest paid backup in the league. He's probably going to get a shot to, if not win the job, I'm pretty sure we'll see him sooner rather than later. But I would love for them to take a quarterback in the mid rounds, you know, but I, I doubt it happens. Hey, I'm happy not seeing it, to be honest with you. It's easier to pile on Derek Carr. <laughs> but. Okay. So actually, I guess we can jump right in because they are they are a team that's definitely looking for a wide receiver, right? So uh, I think I've seen a lot of people mock Henry Ruggs going there. You've seen some Jerry Judy, you've seen some CD Lamb going there. I guess to start it off for everybody, I, I'm pretty sure I, I'm sure that I'm sure there's some people that have Jerry Judy ahead of CD Lamb, but I think for yeah. most people, CD Lamb is kind of the king of the or the the king of the castle here in terms of everything that he's able to do. I mean, he's an absolute freak. Um, I don't think he really blows you away in any, in any in the measurement department, but it's undeniable the dude is a straight baller on film. And he posted one of the, uh, the, the one thing that, that like stood out to me though is whenever I was kind of digging into him for the first time is he posted one of the lowest contested catch rates, which was which shocked me because when I sat there and watched the dude, like the dude was a like had that my ball mentality would go up and get it. Is that any sort of concerning to you at all? Uh, you know, uh, you would like for it to be higher, right? Of course, you know, six foot one. But I'm not, I'm not as concerned, right? I mean, he he produced as a true freshman at Oklahoma. He produced as a sophomore with Marquise Hollywood Brown. He produced this year by himself, his freshman season when he was with Hollywood. So everything that he does well, I am more than comfortable taking that over the few things that he doesn't do as well right now. I don't think it's anything that CD won't be able to learn, won't be able to kind of work on and improve on at the next level. But I, I, I mean, I am zero concerns about CD Lamb. And it's funny you, you, you mentioned him kind of, I, I always say that I said all season that CD Lamb was the fastest, not that fast guy in the country because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he's consistently pulling away from defenders and making plays after the catch. So yeah, man. Long, long-winded answer to say I'm, I'm not, I'm not that concerned. Yeah, Kev sent me the uh, the graphic that's up on the the screen right now. When I saw the contested catch rate, I literally just said to him like, "That's like that's not right, right? Like, <laughs> like there's like you you have a typo on there, man. There's no way that it's only thirty eight point five percent. But especially because we talk about that mentality and how he attacks the ball, and we see him go up and get it. So like that's something that kind of kind of threw me off but I mean I, I'm not worried about it either and Ray that that was a really good point you made about the fastest not fast guy um if you look at his the athletic profile from how he uh, how he measured out at the combine really not that impressive but when you see him with the ball in his hand man he he just he glides he's so good after the catch so um I'm, I'm really excited to to finally get these landing spots next week and start talking about the the impact they're gonna have and how they fit into the scheme of whatever team drafts them. I think it's a, I will say this. I think it's an interesting point to make that like, if you were just digging in on this guy and you, you weren't a big film guy and you just were looking at like athletic measurables, he definitely wouldn't stand out to you. wouldn't be like, I don't understand what everybody's talking about this guy. Like, look at this guy, you know, I mean, you know, you saw the graphic or whatever, but I mean, his 40 yard dash was four or five, which is, Nothing to sneeze about. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But, you know, speed score is not great. It's average. His burst score is 47th percentile. Like, you look at those things, and if you were just digging in, like, weren't really, you know, in tune with everything that's going on, if you weren't on Twitter and everything else, I don't know how excited you would be about CeeDee Lamb. Obviously, I think once you turn on the tape and start watching him, like, you can see what everybody else sees with him. Because, you know, when I first started digging into this, because I'm not a guy who spends a ton of time 
um, watching college football because I spend so much time on DFS and everything else in season and, you know, with everything else. So whenever I first started digging in, I know a lot of people talked about CD lamb and it was pre combine. So I, you know, when I first turned it on, like immediately you start watching the guy like, okay, yeah, this dude's a baller. <laughs> but if, if, if I still jumped in now and I started looking at it and I already had the measurables and everything else, I'd be like, I don't know what everybody's so excited about, but I just, something that stood out to me, it was the contested catch rate. So other than that, so I don't think we really need to spend too much time talking about CD Lamb. Uh, we can keep going because the next guy I want to talk about, <laughs> pants are off, boys. I, I, I'm ready to talk about some Jalen Rager. I love Jalen Rager. From the moment I, I set eyes on this dude, I started loving him. And my one of my favorite moments of this entire draft season so far was you, whenever you uh, when you were running this 40 all time, and your reaction to it was priceless. It was so good. But um, <laughs> yes, but I love Jalen Rager and. I know he just did his virtual pro day, and where now that we got the, I, I know you have to take you have to uh, take it a little bit with a grain of salt because it is hand time and everything else, not laser time. But even if you add time to the four two two, the four two eight, even let's say it's a high four three, that's still much better than what he, he proved at the combine. And I think that he definitely lost some weight, which I think was one of the big problems for him heading into the combine. He put on too much weight. He got some bad advice. And now we, we see much more of what you see on tape with them in terms of that raw athleticism. Do you agree on that? And is that something that you're taking into consideration? No, a hundred percent. You know, it's his combine is still one of the most interesting and perplexing results because he started out just crushing everything right and i'm not talking about he looked good he bench pressed a lot irrelevant but then he jumps a 42 inch vertical jump broad jumps 138 inches at that point there's there's no way he doesn't run sub 44 i mean it, with that type of burst and explosion there's no way i mean it i, I thought i was going to have a fun time on twitter mocking everybody and to see his time i've got two points to that one it's a crazy world we live in today when a 4.47 is slow, okay? Uh, I know a lot of people were taking victory labs like, yeah, yeah, I told you he wouldn't. Okay, 4.47 is extremely fast still. But um, then he performs horribly in the lateral agility drills. I mean, beyond horrible. It shouldn't even be playing a wide receiver position. But, you know, you turn on the tape and and you see it immediately with this kid um and he's got the pedigree you know his dad was a second round pick his father won a super bowl so he had he's been around football and and competing at the highest level his entire life and you saw that with a bad TCU team you saw that uh, you know with a bad coaching system in his final season this kid still was out there playing every single week giving it his all for a, a bad team. So uh, it's just very interesting, uh, you know, Rager and his athletic testing, the virtual pro day. I mean, all right, we got some more numbers. We know he's not slow. I don't think anybody out there thought he was a four or five guy. Like that's just, that's not how he plays. Yeah, man. So uh, last night I was chopping it up with some of the guys in one of my dynasty leagues, a couple guys you're uh, familiar with what Ray and one of them being uh, Dwight Peebles. Uh, the the people's champ and what he he wanted me to ask you a question he wanted to know if you were the one down there with the at the virtual pro day giving him that four two two hand time <laughs> oh Dwight Dwight <laughs> <laughs> I've got no comment man I've got no comment <laughs> Dwight I'm <laughs> I'm gonna text him this asshole. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. talking to uh, talking to him and Jay Mike and a couple other guys, and told him that we were uh, we were getting on with you tomorrow. And he's like, "Man, you got to ask Ray if uh, if he was the one that gave him that four two two time." I said, "I don't know, man. I think it would have been a four one nine if if uh -huh. uh, <laughs> if Ray were down there." We got jokes tonight. Okay, I like this. I like this. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, he would have broken the record. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, it's it is it is really it's a very interesting combine how that played out for him as well as a couple of other people. Just I don't know. It was weird. Weird year. 
No, for sure. And it was like the first time, like like you mentioned, like when somebody goes out and runs a four four seven, like we're like all of a sudden upset with that. Like people <laughs> were like, "Oh man, told you, told you guys." I told like it was the opposite. I'm like, "There's nothing wrong with a four four seven. It's not like you no. it's like Zach Moss who goes out here and runs a four six five or something like that." You know, like sure it wasn't what people had expected from him, but I mean, it still wasn't. It's still nothing bad about it. Like there was nothing to be yeah. alarmed about. So yeah. I don't know. I thought it was wild with him. Do you think he ends up going in the first round? I think he does. I, I think he does. I think a player with his speed, with his skill set, with his versatility, you know, I think there are teams picking at the back of the back of the first that that would pick him. Little um little insider. i I was told by a very credible source, very credible source, very the credibleest of credible sources when it comes to Jalen Rager, that um He's talked to five teams uh, who told him if he's there when he's on the clock, he's going round one. Take that with a grain of salt, but I got that information from probably the most credible Jalen Rager source there is. That if five teams he's talked to, if he's there on the board round one, he's their pick. It doesn't uh, bode well for you, Kev. Is one of those teams red and gold? By chance? He didn't. He didn't tell me, and that's the <laughs> legit. I didn't. I didn't even ask, but I didn't even ask what teams that was. Oh man, no. it would be immediate, like pants off. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be naked, buck, buck naked, <laughs> running around the house if the Kansas City Chiefs select the uh, Jalen Rager at the. Yeah, know, the I'm not. I'm not feeling that. I would so. not. As a Raiders fan, we don't need those problems. <laughs> we don't need those problems in the division, please. I mean, because you look at it, I mean, Sammy Watkins is only on a one-year deal. Marcus Robinson is on a one-year deal. So they have a lot of players that are going to be coming up, so they're going to need help. So, I mean, if they need a wide receiver and Jalen Rager's there, like, if he's on the if he's on the board when the Chiefs are on the clock, I'm going to be sweating bullets, hoping that that's who they take. Is, are you, is that even, like, a realistic possibility that they would go wide receiver again? Like, in the first round? Would they go wide receiver in the first round? Like, really? So, I, the, the way I look at them is they're kind of in, still in that win-now mode. Because they, their 100% goal mission is, is to is to repeat, obviously. That's why they have essentially brought their entire team back on one-year deals from last year. They're only lost a couple of players that none of them really, are really any impact for them. But, I mean, they've made it their mission to go out and pretty much just sign everybody that they had last year. They brought back... Um, like I said, Demarcus Robinson, they brought back um, uh, Sammy Watkins, and then they also brought yeah. back Rashad Breeland and Mike Pinnell. And so, I mean, that's pretty much the guys they brought back. So could I see it? Yeah, I, I think they're in the market for a wide receiver, and I think they could be in the market for a running back as well. Because like I said, after this year, I mean, who are they going to – it's basically going to be it's basically gonna be Tyreek, and you Mahomes, have that from there, then you yeah. have uh, McCall Hardman. But then I think running back is also in play as well because of Damian Williams. And then they did bring in DeAndre Washington, which I think is an interesting move. But, I mean, again, those are just guys. So yeah. I think they're still in swing for the fence mode right, right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I also don't think it's necessary. And I think the number one need they really have is probably at corner or at linebacker. Rigger there would just oh, I mean, be super unfair. Because I don't super know where he would be. He'd essentially be, it'd be a waste of a year, I guess, because I mean, he would basically be the fourth option, probably. Maybe the third. But I, probably the fourth or even the fifth option, really, because they're still going to have Demarcus Robinson there, who they who they paid a decent amount to. They still have McCall Hardman. So I think it would probably be a little overkill. I could see them probably taking somebody in the later rounds, maybe in the third or fourth round, maybe like a Michael Pittman or something like that. But that doesn't really fit the type of, the type of player that they really look for because they're all about speed. But I could see something like that a little bit later in the draft. I, I I literally can't even imagine. Um, but moving on here, man, Ray, you're your wide receiver. You're uh, you're. Jeez, <laughs> doesn't anybody knock anymore? Yeah, no. <laughs> Good grief! This is live. This is live TV here. That was awesome. Uh, this is this is this is unedited. This is real stuff. My wife is trying to come in here. I don't think she's clothed. Do you have on clothes? <laughs> What do you want me to do? There's no cup in here. <laughs> this is gold. This is fantastic. I, I'm no, there's no cup. <laughs> this is so, gold, what, Jerry. What, what, gold. There's no cup. What are you doing? <laughs> this is what is she? She's messing up gold right here. Sorry, guys. No, man, that was that was <laughs> that was some comedic relief. That was that was <laughs> awesome. But you're uh you're wide receiver three, Jerry Judy. Um, yep. A lot of people looking at him as is. is Probably the the safest receiver just because of his his all around skill set, but it almost seems like people are just kind of just plugging him into the slot as if that's that's all he's going to be. Um, what 
where do you see him playing? Obviously, he can win in the slot. I think he can win outside too with his releases and his his route running and everything else. Um, do you see him as a like a let's say like a 65, 70% slot guy, or do you think he's uh he's gonna have the the outside work as well? Uh, that's this is a tough one, right? This is because I think he could thrive in the slot. I I, I think Jerry Judy day one in the NFL, he's already going to be one of the most dangerous men in the NFL just because of his skill set. But I saw him play enough out wide during his career at Alabama that I think he's going to be just fine outside. Uh, his The way he releases, the way his ability to stack defensive backs uh, during his routes, a lot of people talk about players having elite acceleration like Tyreek Hill. Everybody wants that receiver that can get go from zero to 60 like that. But one of the things that I've, I've learned in studying wide receivers and playing against wide receivers in college is it's, it's not always the ability to accelerate. Sometimes it's the ability to decelerate in your routes, right? And Jerry Judy has the fastest 60 to zero that I've seen in a very long time. This dude can be running full speed, plant on a dime, stop for a comeback route, or break his routes in or out. I think he's going to be just fine on the outside. I would love for him to put on a little weight, just put on a little bit of grown man muscle, which I'm sure will happen. But, I mean, the, the dude is a is a, is a a technician running routes. He's a route running. I mean, there aren't many wide receivers coming out of college that, that move the way Jerry Judy does. So I think he'd thrive in the slot, and I think he'll be just fine on the outside. Do you think that he ends up – I know some people have made the comparison with him that he could – like he's Calvin Ridley. Do you think that's, that that is his, his ceiling? Or do you think – I mean, because it seems like the lazy comp for him. He played at yeah. Alabama. And- that's uh, that's what I was I was going to say that. You know, you hear Calvin Ridley, maybe, but it is a lazy comp. It's just they played at Alabama. They've got that similar body size. You know, Calvin Ridley was a great route runner. So I think it's just the easy – a very easy comp to make. I don't really know what Jerry Judy is. I, I, I've I've thought about it. One thing that I don't do, I don't just I'm not just comping players just to comp them, right? You know, I, I if I if I put a comp on somebody, then I, I truly believe that wholeheartedly, and I want you to hold me accountable to that. But with Judy, I, I really don't have a, a good comp for Judy right now. Ridley is the easiest and laziest of them. I also think it happens to be a little bit applicable, but I think we can dig a little bit deeper. Uh, than just stopping at Calvin Ridley for Judy. Ray, what, one question since you just touched on comps. Whenever you're lining that up, because I think that's where a lot of people get caught with comps. Like a lot of people want to, you know, he's Jerry Rice. You know what I mean? Just going to be the, the the best thing ever. Or you know, I, I just think there's so many different ways you can go about comps. You just said you spent a lot of time with yours. Like how how are you doing that? Is it coming from their collegiate profile, how you're projecting them in, in the NFL. How, how do you handle comps? Yeah. First, I think there are two different kinds of comps as well. I think there's stylistic comps, what a player may play like, but that, you know, and then there's physical comps. He may play like Jerry Rice or Calvin Johnson or Des Bryant, but he's got the body size of a Tavon Austin. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there's play style comps and then there are, of course, physical comps. Uh, It starts for me, I mean, because I do watch a lot of college football. If I only got to pick one, I'd watch college any day of the week over a professional game. That's just, that's what I grew up in. That's what I love. I love everything about it. Um, So it starts back there. It's the film. Like, like what, what did I see when I just turned on the tape? What kind of player did I see? Um, And then it's when you get some of the other numbers in their age adjusted production, you start looking at some of their testing and athletic measurements And then I think that's where you formulate a better comp. I think during the season, anytime I comp somebody, it's probably emotional reaction of that collegiate moment. And I'm just saying, oh my gosh, Jalen Waddell is the second coming of Tyreek Hill. You should see how he returned that punt. Don't, don't hold me to those ones. I'm just, that's just emotion in the moment. Um, But it's definitely a film combination with the advanced uh, analytics and metrics, and then they're testing measurables. And then from there, like I just figured out my running back comps like today, literally today. So it takes a little bit. No, it definitely makes sense. You know, with, with Judy, when I watched him, like he actually, 
I don't know. This may be outlandish, but I kind of thought that he reminded me of Marvin Harrison uh, when I when I watch him. And so we'll we'll see. I, I definitely think that but that uh, him and Lamb and and Rager I think have incredible ceilings. And then the next guy I think that we want to talk about is I don't think anybody really expect him to test the way that he tested. If you go back and you look, uh, you know him heading into it. I think what heading into college he was running like a four six five or something like that, and wasn't really expected to have. An incredible, you know, incredible speed and everything else. But then he comes into the combine, and you know, runs a four four three forty. You know, excellent, uh, excellent speed score one hundred four point three. Burst score is solid one hundred twenty six point eight. I mean, I, again, like th- this dude, like to me, feels like he should be at least somewhere in the same vicinity of the tier uh, of the of these other guys with what he's been able to do. Now, I know one knock against him again, something similar to to Judy, is even more so, is he played seventy eight percent of the, uh, the snaps from the slot. All, most all of his production came from the slot as well. He had the most slot receptions with 109. He also had the most slot yards with 1,500. Almost <laughs> all of his yards came from the slot, right? But yeah, I mean, and there's something to be said, that, you know, in that Joe Brady offense there at LSU, that offense was was inc- incredible. But I'm not going to take anything away from him because he was able to produce, especially with some of the other talent that was there as well. I absolutely love Justin Jefferson, and I think that he is, I could see myself, you know, putting him a little bit higher than, you know, I could, if somebody put him at three, I, but I think, no, he deserves to be no less than four in my book. But I think he is, he is somebody that can easily walk into a situation and immediately step right onto the field and produce day one. He's not somebody I think is going to be a project because I think he is a solid route runner. If he went, if he's a guy that ended up Philly, I would be, yes. I, I would be absolutely yes. thrilled for that. I don't even know where to begin because you and I are we're we're lock and key right here. This is I'm feeling everything that you just said, and it's it's a lot because and let me let me correct you, right? Four six? No, 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 no. Jefferson had a verified high school 40 time of 488. Verified. It's still up on ESPN. He was running a 48 in high school. How on earth he dropped? I thought. Kevin, I thought four six would have been like that's a win. If he hits like four five nine, like Nikhil Harry did last year, you know, four six after believing that he ran a four eight eight, I would have been fine with that. So to go out there and run a four point four three forty yard dash, I didn't see it coming. And it, the funny thing about this is, if you type in Justin Jefferson forty time, like in Google, he didn't think he was going to run it. He said the forty time surprised him. Um, <laughs> Which is which is crazy, right? But you know, my thing with Jefferson and why I like him so much is everybody is is super excited about Jamar Chase, as we should be. Won the Bolitnikov as the nation's best receiver last year with seventeen hundred receiving yards. Uh, I think he had eighty something receptions. Justin Jefferson in his own right, one hundred and eleven grabs for over fifteen hundred yards and eighteen TDs. That's I don't care if he got it in the slot, out of the backfield, in the parking lot. I don't care where he got it. He he got it, all right, 1,500 yards and 18 TDs. But then that's coming off of a season where in 2018, LSU was not good. And Justin Jefferson still had over 800 receiving yards. I think his market share receptions was over 25%. Market share percentage of the receiving yards was over 30%. I mean, he was still productive as a true sophomore. So he, for me, is my wide receiver four. Love him. I think outside of C.D. Lamb, he's the safest wide receiver in the draft. I think from day one, you're getting a wide receiver two, wide receiver three at worst on an NFL team. I think he's going to contribute right away. Not saying he's a top 12 or a top 24 wide receiver, but I think he's going to contribute in fantasy right away. I, I love everything about his game. I mean, pe- people talk about slot receiver like it's like it's still a bad thing. Like there's some like negative connotation that that goes with it. With with today's NFL running three wide receiver sets, like you can run your passing game through the slot, and it's not like I don't look at Jefferson as like oh well, you know he's gonna have that like five yard a dot. He's just gonna be one of those compilers. Like he can get deep. He can you know he can win. He obviously has the the long speed that. I admittedly surprised everybody, but I mean, I, I don't, he didn't have that four, eight high school speed on his LSU tape either. Right. So that's, that's one. And it's Ray, whenever you mentioned uh, Philly for one of the landing spots at the beginning of the pod, that's immediately where I went was Justin Jefferson going to Philly. And like every year 
like last year, obviously not not ne- not necessarily fantasy related, but we had Garrett Bradbury to the Vikings. Like that seemed to be one of the things that was need and talent and draft capital all lined up. That happened, and I think that's kind of the the same case here with Jefferson going to going to Philly. Yeah, Cooper Cup plays in the slot. Chris Godwin plays in the slot. Larry Fitzgerald plays in the slot. Like Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Allen plays in the slot. When teams are going out investing on defensive side on the defensive side of the ball, slot corners, <laughs> it matters, right? Tyler Boyd out of the slot. I mean, teams are literally drafting defensive backs because they specialize playing in the slot because it's a completely different world playing in there opposed to having the sideline on either side of the field to help you out. So I don't care where they get, again, I don't care where he gets it. Slot outside Jefferson's a stud. No, I, I 100% agree. And, um, you know, if he lands in Philly, I'll be six to midnight real quick, real quick. <laughs> I love that. Man, Kev, you realize we're doing a live draft show. Right, like you can't be, you can't be doing this. No, it's going to be live. We're going to be doing. Fuck it, we're doing it live. We're doing the whole thing live, both days. It's going to be fantastic. And when the Chiefs draft Zach Moss, I'm just going to jump off. I'm going to jump through my window. Uh, you know something? They're they're going to take some random ass running back. I'm telling you, it's going to be like Lamichael P. Ryan or somebody just somebody wild. They, and he's immediately going to become. Uh, a back end round one rookie oh, yeah. draft pick. Oh, yeah. Even the worst yeah. part though is I hate Zach Moss. Like I like I don't hate him. I shouldn't <laughs> say that. That's that's strong. But like I'm not a fan of Zach Moss. At least uh, compared to everybody else. And I have shit on this dude right <laughs> as a prospect, <laughs> right? And I know what's gonna happen. It's called because karma. Karma. The, one of the few things we know who the Chiefs have visited is Zach Moss. Like Zach, like really? the, the, yes, really? the Chiefs have met with Zach Moss at the combine. They met with them. They've met with them at a virtual uh, test. I am. It's gonna happen. I can almost feel it. They're gonna announce it in the second or third round, <laughs> and I'm just gonna hate my life. And I'm just gonna have to like I'm gonna shotgun a beer right on right on live show, right on our live show. And by shotgun a beer, you mean fall to your knees and cry, right? Yes. Fetal position is going to happen. It's karma that's going to come right back at me, and I'm going to have to just take it. And everybody from that moment is going to be like, yep, they got their next Kareem Hunt, which is another lazy take that people have. But that, that's what people are going to say. He's going to be the 101, and it's just going to be the worst. Oh, uh, that's, that's terrible. I got a comp for Zach Moss, and that damn sure ain't Kareem Hunt. Moneyball. What, what is it? Jamal Williams. I think I think that's I think that would be a win wow. for him. Actually, if he that's, became that's, if he if he became Jamal Williams, I think that'd be a win for Zach Moss. Kevin, under, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't wish that on you, but since we're doing this live, we we need it hashtag for the content. So, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, man, but you have to be the the sacrificial lamb for uh for the brand and for the content, man. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. But that that was that we spent enough time on Zach Moss there. That was that was about fifty nine seconds too long. Um, Ray, you're wide receiver five and somebody that I've been super excited about from the from the beginning of this when I first started breaking some of these guys down. Uh, Denzel Mims um, obviously showed up at the combine, stole everybody's hearts. There was um there was somebody from who does I can't remember what his name is, but he does work with the NFL Network on there on their uh, specifically their draft stuff. And he put out a tweet a couple weeks leading up to the combine saying that he was, that Mims was someone he could see running that sub four, four. And I was just like, dude, if, if that happens, his, his, uh, his rookie draft stock is just going to completely skyrocket. And obviously that that's what's happened here. I do think he, he needs some polishing. He's not the most polished receiver, but I feel like with all of the physical tools that he has it would like i think it's on the extreme end of his of his ceiling and you know of his range of outcomes but i mean would it really surprise anybody if he put up a couple of seasons that were the best out of this rookie class um that i i kind of see that as you know like i said extreme end of his range of outcomes but what do you what would you want to see from denzel mims at the next level for him to take that next step what do you, what kind of things do you think that he uh, he has to work on if if anything yeah i'm a i'm a big mims fan i think he's i think he's a talented wide receiver he's you know much like all of these guys he's an unfinished product right you know there's still a lot of things that he can do to improve upon it 
and you things is, you know, his his route running and I think his his recognition of defenses at times and Baylor's scheme is much like um Oklahoma's where they're it's it, they do a really good job of scheming their wide receivers. Um and once, you know, Denzel Mims got into a space, he's bigger and he's faster and he's more athletic than everybody else that he's playing against. A little bit of a uh I've gotta be honest here. Um today I was sharing up some of my rankings and I actually oh, no. moved Denzel Mims down just the spot but I did move T. Higgins back up to my wide receiver five. Um so Four, the difference between five and four, five and six is it's negligible at this point. But I, I do think Mims has, I don't know if he is number one for a team upside, but I think he can be like a, a very, very, very strong wide receiver two for a team and maybe even play that wide receiver one B role. Sort of, I look back to Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, right? We all knew Devontae Adams had it, but Jordy had to get out of the way. If, as long as Jordy was there, he was the he was the guy. So I can see him playing like a strong wide receiver two uh, for a team. I don't know if I'm seeing wide receiver one. I don't know if you'd want that. I, I, I don't know. You know, I thought Michael Gallup could potentially be that when, when the Cowboys, I'm a Cowboys fan as well, uh, drafted him, but I think he's just better in that number two role in that complimentary wide receiver role. And I think that's, I think that's Denzel Mims. I like him a lot, but I, I, I think that's his, that's where he fits in best. But when I, when I watch him, I mean, it's hard to deny the things that he's able to do. I mean, if you look at him, like I think what 1.5% of production came from the, or not from the slot, but from uh, screens, which was, I think the most, the least in the class, uh, he's second most contested catches with 20. I mean, there's a lot to like about him when you look at it. When you look at his profile, like he kind of felt like a more a more explosive, more athletic Kenny Galladay to me um, mm. uh, of kind of what he can do. And I think he needs to be in the right system uh, with the right quarterback. And I, I think if that happens, that that's going to fully unlock him, especially you know utilizing him deep down the field. And I think if that happens, I I I, I do think that I think he's somebody that. Would not surprise me if he ends up being one of the best wide receivers in this class. Oh, okay. I I don't hate it. I, I, I It wouldn't shock me either. If we look back three years from now and we say that Denzel Mims, like we should have had him up there at number one or close to number one, it wouldn't surprise me. He's got the athletic. There's nothing in his game that should be disliked. I, I, the, the things that are his negatives right now are teachable things that he's going to learn at the next level. They're going to learn how to identify coverages, sit down where they're supposed to sit down. They're going to learn how to, you know, separate off the line of scrimmage and create space for themselves. Everything about how he plays in his athletic profile, I just, he's a rock star. He's, he's legit. I just like a couple of receivers better than him. Just a couple. So speaking of speaking of the other wide receiver that you just mentioned, I have to ask um, about him because for me, I have tried to like T Higgins, right? I've really tried. And like, I'm like, I got to see what everybody else sees. Like, I want to know. So I've watched the tape. I've looked at it. He's not a, he's not an athletic dude, but like, I'm not going to sit there and try to hold that against him. He has the, he has the numbers. He has the production. That's one of the most, you know, translatable th- things for, for any wide receiver is production. So I see all that, but I watch him play. Like, I'm just not blown away by him. Like, I'm not like, wow by him at all. And what is it that everybody else sees that I don't? Because obviously I, you know, I'm wrong a lot. And so like, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Right. But like with him, like, I'm just not excited. Like, I feel like I could have 10 wide receivers ahead of him and I, that I'd rather have. And, and maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong for that. And maybe he ends up landing in just a absurd spot that's, that, that's fantastic for him and his skill set. But right now for me, like when I've, when I've watched him, like I just haven't been all that excited about him. Maybe it's from initially knowing that he wasn't going to test well, and then him sitting out and not doing the combine kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Maybe I have some bias. I don't know. But what is it that you see about him that you that you like so much to have as your number five wide receiver? And let me just ask you, where 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 do you have Higgins ranked for you right now? I so for me, I I would probably have him probably around nine nine or ten. I think is probably where I'd have him. I think there's other guys in this class that that, that I value more. I, I like Brandon Ayuk and what he brings to the table. I think he's more of a traditional wide receiver in today's sense of what of what you're looking for. I think you're going to have to have as much as we'll, we'll get to Henry Ruggs next, but I think he's got to probably be somewhere ahead of him because of his, his skill set and what he's able to do. Again, I think he is much more landing spot dependent. I don't want to kind of go through all the guys, but like, I think he's much more landing spot dependent. If he lands at a wrong spot, which we'll talk about, I think that could be, that could really hurt him. And then I, you know, I, like I said, him and 
there's another guy like Michael Pittman. I really like, and I think he, he, he's another guy that I think that if you look at them two, like they both do a lot of the same things, but I think Pittman's a little bit more athletic than he is overall. I think he's, he has strong. I think Michael Pittman is not valued enough for what he was able to do. His hands are, are terrific. I think he only had like five droppable passes on 175 targets or something like that. So there's a lot to like there. Brian Edwards is another guy that I absolutely love. There's, there's all these wide receivers that I could see myself. If I was in a rookie draft, like that I would take before I ever got to T Higgins. And I think most people would take them before me. So it would never be my problem to have to really worry about for you. What, what is it that you love so much about him? So when I'm when I'm looking at T, right, it's first of all, it's, he's six foot four, two fifteen, and he may not have tested like a Denzel Mims. He may not have tested like this Uber elite athlete, but he's good on the field. He's very very fluid to be so big. And I went back and you know I said I was finalizing my rankings today. He his the physical, physical wide receiver at the point of catch. Like I know his contested hit catch rate is probably yeah 55%. Um, when the ball is in the air and it's around him, he's catching it. I don't see T Higgins drop a lot of passes. I never see him do. I, I've never seen him do that. He, he's to be so big and quote unquote lean at that 216. I just think there's so much room for growth for his body because he knows how to use his body to win. Like he knows how to use his body to shield defenders, to make catches. He's physical. You could see that run against uh, LSU in the national championship game when he's running over safeties and he had a 70 yard touchdown catch called back on some BS. I mean, I've seen him play against Bryce Hall, one of the type top cornerbacks in the 2020 class pre-injury and absolutely rock Virginia for three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, everybody in the world thought T Higgins was going to take a backseat to Justin Ross this year. Justin Ross is a talented 2021 prospect, but T went back out there and just dominated again. He broke out at an early age. He can catch the deep ball. He's good at tracking passes. The reason why some of his raw stats aren't as high as maybe some others in this class, I mean, you know, Clemson, once they got up by a couple of touchdowns, Dabo was pulling the offense off of the field. And as much as we talk about LSU's offense being good and all those numbers they put up, the reason why the offense was on the field is because the defense was so bad that they were getting scored on by some dude named Plumlee from Ole Miss, and they had to keep scoring points. So uh, I like T. Higgins' game. I think his his skill set fits certain NFL teams. And for me, the most important thing, one of the most important things in this whole process is draft capital. I think T. Higgins is going to get the draft capital to matter. He's going to get an opportunity, and I think with that opportunity, he's probably going to shine. I think whenever you watch T. Higgins, he doesn't have the um... – I guess the the horizontal separation of somebody like uh, Judy. So whenever you're watching him, you're not like, oh man, he just really fucked that corner up. Like you see what, like he left him five yards behind, but there's not a ball that you're throwing to T Higgins that isn't in his catch radius. And for, for like, he might not have that long speed, but the thing I like about T is that he's able to get to his top speed quickly. Like he's able just to take those two steps and he's he's reaching his top speed and he's going. So that's something that that I think w- whenever I saw stuck out to me. There was a you mentioned the the one game against Virginia. So in 2019 game, there was a a catch on the left sideline where it gets broken up and bobbled. He catches it immediately, turns and he's getting upfield. And before you know it, it was it ended up being a 30 yard catch. And you're looking there, you're like, there's no way he just ran 30 yards in that amount of time, but I, I think he is a little landing spot dependent because you're going to have to get that quarterback that's willing to throw into tight spaces. It's willing to throw those, you know, those jump balls and those back shoulders and things like that. But I think as long as the, the NFL teams are going to know that, right. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to draft T thinking like, all right, you know, let's, we're going to get him separated and get him going horizontal and things like that. So Ray, like you said, if, if he gets that draft capital that we're, that we're all expecting, I'm still excited about him, but he, he doesn't have that, like I said, like comparing him to like a Judy, which is completely unfair because they're not the same kind of receivers. But w- whenever you watch them, Judy will just leave you being like, holy shit. Like he like he just did that. And T, unless he's going up above the rim or man, there's there's a game I can't there's a play I can't think of wh- where he was playing. There's a throw down the middle of the field. He goes up and gets it between two defenders and then he nearly scores. I can't remember which game it was. He nearly scores, but he's physical he's running away from them he eventually gets tackled maybe like around like the five or something like that but that was one of those plays that that stuck out to me along with that one from 
Virginia from this past year. The one versus Texas A&M was one of the prettiest ones I've seen. That sideline catch, it's just, when the ball is in the air, it's almost Des Bryant-esque. Des Bryant was one of the best, just contortionist of his body, go get those jump balls, just kind of glide in the air. T. Higgins, when the ball is in the air around him, he's coming down with it nine times out of 10. I do think he does have some limitations, right? He's not playing in the slot. He's going to be an outside receiver. Uh, He is going to have to work on defeating press coverage because he didn't face a lot of that at Clemson. Um, So I do, I do get why some people, and he's not, he's probably not like the fastest athlete. I'm not going to say he's not an athlete, but he's not some blazer on the field. But uh, I I really like how he goes, attacks, passes. And after the catch, he's not CeeDee Lamb, but he's very good after the catch. He does get caught a lot at the five-yard line. That has happened more times than not. Uh, But he's really good after the catch. So, Ray, uh, just real quick before we move on, you were talking about uh, Dabo pulling the guys in the the second half because they're – they're, they're ahead. Um, his second half splits from 2019, he had 11 catches for 173 yards and two touchdowns. I didn't even, I didn't even know that. I, I swear to on, I did not know that. I was hoping and praying that it wasn't opposite of what I just said. I got based you. on Based on watching Clemson, it doesn't, so they didn't fucking play in the second half. They didn't play. 11 catches. That's crazy. And that'll pretty much do it for the first half of the show where we discuss Ray's top six wide receivers. Be sure to tune in on Friday where we, we break down his the second half of his top 12 heading into the NFL draft next week. I really appreciate everybody checking out. And be sure to check out Ray's work over at Destination Debbie and at DLF. He does He's killing it over there like, like, like we discussed. Really love his insight and the things he's able to bring. Um, if you're into Debbie, you know, in terms of Dynasty, he's certainly the place you want to go. Hence the Destination Debbie tag for over his YouTube channel. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, if you're not already, it's at Ray G Q and that is Q U E by the way uh, for for his Twitter handle he's absolutely killing it it's a good dude he puts out great content engaging content on Twitter so be sure to do that and like I said be sure to tune in on Friday when we have the second half of our conversation when we break down the second half you know, looking forward to talking about Henry Ruggs and Lavisca Chenault Brian Edwards you know K J Hamler Michael Pittman and kind of where they fit where they are going to land and what, what you should be looking for them especially in your upcoming rookie draft so I really appreciate it thank you for checking it out be sure to hit that subscribe on your podcast podcast and give us a rate and review really appreciate it It helps us grow and helps us show out and lets us know what we're doing good and what we can work on so until friday you guys be safe peace credit card bill.